Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Now, this is Afternoon Pancakes. My name is Jared Malott. I'm here with my good friend, Stephen Reed, and we are with Stampede Blues podcast community. Stephen, how are you today? I'm doing well today, Jared. How are you today? I'm just happy we made it to football season. I'm not going to lie. Seriously, got, right? Yeah, we we have actually officially made it through the most awkward off season I can remember. Um, it just in terms of like activity timeline, no preseason games. Um, going to kind of throw this out there in the beginning, brother. I have a feeling first few weeks of the season are going to be rocky for a lot of teams. What do you sloppy. think? Yeah, I think it's going to be sloppy. Yeah. A lot of teams are just coming upon injuries that are going to affect uh, their opening week. Uh, we're going to kind of today what we want to do is we want to talk about how we see week one panning out. We want to kind of take some time today to talk about uh, the AFC South as a division and how we see that panning out. Uh, obviously, we'll talk about how we think their games are going to go this week, but we're also going to talk about how we think that's going to go for the re- for you know the Colts and the rest of their division. And then what we'll finish up with is sort of like a look around the league and how we kind of take a an outside in look at the rest of the league and say how we kind of think their divisions are going to pan out. Um, so let's just dive right in tonight. The 2020-21 NFL season kicks off. Uh, Stephen, the Texans and Chiefs play in a rematch that would have been for the ages. I have a feeling had the Texans not traded DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson. What do you think? Yeah. Texans made a lot of curious moves um, this off season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think that this game had DeAndre Hopkins been there, it would have at least made it a little bit more competitive. Uh, the only way that I see this as, uh, not a Kansas City blowout is if somehow, some way, uh, Kansas City just completely overlooks Houston in the first game of the season after not having football. Or, what, I mean, we haven't had football in the entire season, but not being able to to really feel like we're a part of, of, of the, the whole process. And so that's about the only way I see this um, happening because Kansas City – pretty much stayed basically the same. Um, they, they got a little bit better at the running back position mm-hmm. um, with, with Edwards Hilaire. Um, but beyond that, I just don't see much of a way that Houston 
even kind of keeps this game close. Yeah, that's, I mean, you know me, that's my biggest concern is matching firepower for firepower. And I just don't, I mean, I can see, I can see a corner case, like you've kind of said, and I just try to, you know, split the apple another way. Uh, there's this, the slight chance, I think, that if Houston can run the ball effectively and they can elongate their possessions to more than a series or two and are actually able to score with any relative consistency. I'm not even asking for like five scoring drives. I'm saying like if they can get like three good drives that result in touchdowns, they're still going to lose by like 20 points. So the, and that was supposed to be funny. Um, The reality is I just don't, believe unless will fuller has be just eclipsed deandre hopkins effectively because he's actually going to have to be better than deandre hopkins i think um to actually have the same kind of impact in this game because again one of the things that we've already kind of said there's no preseason there is no team to prepare for prior to this so these teams have spent minimum the last month or two preparing for each other i feel like these two quarterbacks are two of the two of the better quarterbacks in the nfl two young guys that can make plays out of the pocket can extend plays find the open man do all the right things um and it, and it kind of goes right back to what you said kansas city's got playmakers at every position on offense um they're not necessarily no, necessarily yeah. noted for having a great old line but they can score from anywhere in one play. And I don't believe the same is the true is true for Houston. I think that they have a nice little stable of running backs, right? Yeah. But what, means, what else you got? They, they're okay. It's David Johnson, who's your lead running back, who hasn't been, you know, hasn't had a, a full season in two years. Um, and then what? Uh, beyond that... Is a great question, but like their wide receivers, it's Will Fuller and what Brandon Cooks, um, and so I, I just don't know who, unless if Deshaun Watson, the, their whole game plan now becomes Deshaun Watson scrambles and throws deep bombs to Will Fuller. Otherwise, this doesn't make sense um, in terms of what they're going to do on offense. Their defense, um, I, I don't think their defense got better. Um, they lost their. Their big nose tackle is DJ Reader this offseason. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I, I just, I don't think their defense is going to get better. And I think their offense got markedly worse because you no longer have the threat of DeAndre Hopkins. And that's, their their offensive line is is okay. Um, so maybe, you know, you give Deshaun Watson a little bit extra time and he can make some magic happen. Yeah. Um, but I just, I don't have any faith in their weapons. Um, I don't have faith in their defense and i just don't have faith in the texans this year yeah and and vegas kind of agrees vegas has the chiefs as an like eight a point favorite point. oh eight i thought yeah, it was yeah i i get what you're <laughs> after but <laughs> but they're an eight point favorite in opening weekend that doesn't happen a lot where the betters are just saying this is a touchdown plus game um we we have yeah, that's a blowout when we're talking yeah we're we're talking about the nfl remember 63 percent of these games are three-point games so when the vegas is saying at outset 
oh, this is this is a touchdown plus game, a walk away win for the Chiefs. That's a blowout. So I know a lot of people uh, have been watching a lot of basketball lately, and they think like, oh, three points is a close game. Yeah, in basketball, right? Seven points or more than a touchdown in the NFL, that's a lot of damage. And yeah, the Colts have been in the receiving end of that lately. We ain't even got to the Colts yet. Um, so yeah, here on opening night, I think it's a pretty. We've had a pretty good combo about it. It's it's fair to to want to move on from it. We both see the Chiefs kind of walking away with this game just on firepower alone. And I'll add to that something that we both kind of have preached about over the last year. The Kansas City Chiefs largely remain the same if they didn't improve on offense. And remember, what we've been saying is, look at these successful franchises. Look at New England. Look at Pittsburgh. Look at the teams that are always – they always have the same players and the same coaching staff. And they might get some assistance every season, but same head coaches, same quarterbacks, same – you know what I mean? They, they're, The consistency is what leads to victories. And if you look at those two franchises yeah, over the last few years, Kansas City's consistent. Houston is, how do I say this? Rocky. It's it's like watching a wagon drive over like, um, like to drive up a mountain. Like it, it doesn't look good. They kind of. It looks like they it's kind of bob. Yeah. Back and forth. Mm-hmm. Get it? Bob, yeah. Bill O'Brien. Yeah. 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 Um, they're, they're, they bop up and down just like their head coach. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> that in mind. Uh, remember that game starts at 8:20 p.m. tonight on NBC. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, even ESPN says there's a 77% chance the Chiefs win. Uh, this game is being played in Arrowhead, and if you want to go, tickets are only $136. Um, let's move on. On Sunday, if that's okay with you. Uh, the first game on the blotter. Well, it's so we were going to talk about the division, right? So we talked about the Texans. Let's pull up the what's the next division game on this list here? Uh, Colts and Jags play. So we could talk about them. Yeah, I was going to say I think they're Colts and Jags. Yeah. Why don't we so, save them to the end. Let's save them to the end. Save them to the end. Let's talk about the Titans game. They play Monday night. So 10 10 p.m. By the way. On Monday night, the Tennessee Titans uh, play at the Denver Broncos. Gonna be real honest, Denver's gonna win this game. See, here's the thing. For this game, the thing that makes the biggest difference to me was Von Miller's injury this week. Oh, yeah, I saw Um, that. And so, without Von Miller that Denver defense isn't nearly as threatening. And now Tennessee wasn't going to pass the ball a ton anyway. And so Von Miller, you know, he only needs like a player to a game um, to get in there and get home to, to change the game. Um, But the fact is Tennessee probably wasn't going to pass the ball a lot. um, Despite the fact that they just gave a big contract um, to Tannehill. Um, And so, I look at this game and I say, uh, this game to me is more of a pick 'em game. Um, yep. I, I still believe, I, I, I believe more in Drew Locke and the Broncos offense than I believe in the t- Titans offense. Um, because 
Denver's got a solid, decent, decent offensive line. They've mm-hmm. got two good running backs in Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. They've got two solid quality receivers in Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they've got some weapons there. And Drew Locke, if you watched him the last four games of last season, he's no slouch. No, uh, not he, at all. he can come in and can play. Yeah. Um, and so I'll be interested to see what the Titans do. It, they signed to Javion Clowney this week, um, which there was a, a large um, discussion in the Stampede Blue Slack chat about this because I don't think Jadavion Clowney is this massive difference maker like he used to be. Um, and uh, some of our other colleagues thought otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it really is just a difference of opinion. And it's going to make a huge difference in terms of how Mike Vrabel plays Clowney. Because right. if he plays him like he played him when he was the linebackers coach in, in Houston, Clowney's going to be bad. He's not going to be good. Yeah. Uh, if Vrabel plays him like he did when he was defensive coordinator in, in Houston, there's a chance that he's going to be okay, be good. Yeah. If they play him like they did in Seattle or the year without Vrabel in Houston, Clowney's going to be bad. Like he's going to be an overpaid mercenary that, that got his paycheck and eh, doesn't matter. Right. And so I look at that and I go, all right, that's going to make a huge difference. Is this going to lead to a regression for Jeffrey Simmons? Um, the, the stud defensive end. Um, so like, ultimately I just don't know where they're going to play today. Even Clowney. Right. Are they going to, they talk about him being a defensive end. He's probably going to play outside linebacker. He's not very good in space in terms of coverage. And so if they're going to just use him as a rush outside linebacker and that's it. Okay. He might, he's probably going to have an opportunity. Um, yeah. But if they're going to play him in space and if teams are smart, they're going to try to work it. So he's stuck covering somebody motion, someone over, give him a chip, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so I think the, the biggest chess match is going to be between the Denver offense and the Houston defense. Um, the Titans defense. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. The, the Titans defense. Um, because I don't have a lot of faith in the Titans offense to score a ton of points. Um even though I really like A.J. Brown as a wide yeah. receiver, you really like Derek Hunter the way he runs. Mm-hmm. Brian Tannehill, I just think, is going to regress um, back yeah. to his meme. He had a one big season, got himself a payday, and now yeah. I think he's going to go back to what we've always seen Ryan Tannehill beat, and that's adequate. Yep. Um, Reminds me a lot of Jacoby in that not going to turn the ball over, but also not going to blow your mind either. Yeah, you know? I think I think Tannehill is a little bit better than Jacoby, but yeah, that's probably an, an apt comparison. Um, but yeah, I think in, in the end, I think Denver's probably got the advantage in this game um, yeah. because I, I like their ability to score. Their the fact that they're playing in Denver. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be interesting. I, I'm I'm really interested to see these ne- these this first week how much difference home field really makes. Um, because you've got these stadiums that none of them are going to be at full capacity. I don't think. No, I don't think any of them are allowed to be Um, maybe Dallas. And that's about it. (laughs) Um, uh, But everybody else is going to be with limited or no capacity or no seating. And so is this going to be, you're going to have teams that might have to go to silent 
because now defenses can very clearly hear what their play call is. Um, yeah. You might have teams that don't even care. Um, and so I'll, I'll just be interested to see how this all plays out in terms of, of not having a crowd, whether it helps the defense more or helps the offense or, or and it will help the offense undoubtedly. Yeah. Um, because like, for example, on two minute drive when the crowd is roaring and you see the quarterbacks cover their ears because they can't hear anything trying to get the play call in from the sideline. Shoot. Now the coach might just be able to yell the play call over. <laughs> like that. If, if communications go bad, he's like, Hey, spider, Y banana, spider two Y banana. <laughs> and that's it. And so, yeah, I, I think ultimately I think Denver is going to have an advantage, but I think it's going to be like probably what it, I, Tennessee, I think, is favored in this game. Um, They're a one, a one and a half, and a half point favorite. One and a half. I think it yeah. was a pick em game before the Von Miller injury. Yeah. Um, and then, so uh, I, I think Denver is going to win this, um, but I think it's going to be a really, really tight game. These are these are the games I like to pick the dog in specifically when the underdog is also the home team because it feels like so I wish try to make sure I project this information that I know out there to the rest of the community. So if you guys, a lot of people I know have started to gamble because it's now legal in Indiana. So I feel compelled to like give you good advice. Hey, you get three points for being the home team. So this means if if the Denver Broncos are one and a half point underdog, this means Vegas believes that um, Nashville is going to win by uh, – five yeah, Tennessee's gonna win by four and a half or five yeah five um, or more and what I what I think is a lot more likely to happen is um if you just look at uh last year um look at Drew Locke's game against Houston uh towards the end of the year they beat Houston by two touchdowns and I understand that um Tennessee made to playoffs Tennessee knocked off Baltimore I get all I understand all those things but look at their losses both of Tennessee's losses two of their last five by double digit points so from my perspective it's a obviously uh, a team that gains a good pass rusher and I'm using blanket terms to describe Jadavion Clowney when they get a good pass rusher and the other team has just lost their pass rusher I think the conventional wisdom is to bet on the on the possessor, right? The people that have the playmaker that had a good season last year and went to the playoffs and have a tenured quarterback. That's traditional wisdom. But I look at home team, young quarterback, great offensive weapons. That could be a problem for anyone. It was a problem for Houston last year. I understand Houston and Tennessee are not the same team. They play in the same division, though. You're planning for these for these outings. So like I said, if you're going to bet on a bet on a dog in the AFC South, uh, I would take Denver uh, to upset and it's only a small upset. So it isn't even that big a deal. Um, but they are one and a half point dog. Um, the Seahawks play the Falcons on Saturday at one o'clock. Um, Steven Reed, uh, uh, Mercedes Benz stadium. Is that Atlanta? So in Atlanta? Yes. In Atlanta. Okay. Um, and again, this is a kind of a pick 'em, uh, according to, um, Vegas, 
Um, Seattle's a one and a half point favorite on the road. So another similar situation where remember you get three points for being the home team. So they expect Seattle to, to win this one by five, five or more basically. Um, so the question is up front, who you kind of think wins this game? I'm going to go on a limb here and say, I think Atlanta wins this game and here's why. So mm -hmm. Seattle is playing a one o'clock game on the East coast, mm -hmm. um, which for them is basically like 10 AM. Mm-hmm. Um, with the increased travel restrictions due to COVID, um, I think that Seattle's going to get in, you know, the day before the game, so that Saturday. Okay. And so it's going to be a lot of jet lag. Guys having to get up real early to play what ultimately to them would feel like a 10 o'clock game, 10 a.m. game. Um, and so you're not going to have that, that benefit of getting there a day or two early, get yourself acclimated, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, Atlanta's got some good weapons um, on, on offense. Uh, they, they signed Todd Gurley this offseason. Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones are wide receivers. They've got a, a solid tight end. Um, and so, and, and Matt Ryan, of course, their quarterback is pretty good. Right. Um, and so you compare that to Seattle. Seattle Russell Wilson is a great quarterback, one of the top probably five quarterbacks in the league. Mm -hmm. um, but they don't have a lot in terms of uh, like their their offensive line is still shaky. Their yep. running back situation is you've got Chris Carson. That's um, it. So he should be good, but he's had issues in the past in terms mm -hmm. of injuries and things like that and get a little dinged up. Yeah. Tyler Lockett is a solid receiver. Um, they lost Jaday Van Clowney. Um, on defense, I believe, didn't they bring in a pass rusher, Everson Griffin, maybe? Um, no, he signed with Dallas. Um, their defense is okay. Um, not not spectacular, I don't think. Um, and so I think this, this game itself, I think, will be evenly matched because Atlanta's yeah. defense is meh. Seattle's defense is meh. Um, it's all going to be who can score more points, um, yeah. which ultimately is how every football game is decided. Hey, so, who didn't, who didn't know? Wisdom for the day, guys. And, I, and I'll back you, I'll back you up this time and say, I also agree that the Atlanta Falcons will win from home. And I'm basing it on the fact that Seattle in their last five games was two and three and Atlanta in their last five games are four and one. And I think that Atlanta improved more than Seattle did. Um, I also understand that a lot of people look at Russell Wilson as on another level from uh, Matt Ryan. I understand and do not agree. Um, I think that Matt Ryan has been put in an awkward situation where he hasn't had a, a, a good enough running run game going for him to take pressure off the pass game and that it's their offense has entirely relied upon him to provide that spark. I think the addition of Gurley makes a lot of sense because it fills that hole. Um, and it tells me that Atlanta is trying to make decisions to help them win football games. And I think establishing yourself as having the potential of having like a really good run game, it forces teams to game plan for that first, because we all know if you can't stop the run, you can't stop anything. Um, and I think Atlanta has a chance here from home to piggyback off what you're saying. So I'm not trying to repeat what you say. I'm trying to say, hey, I agree with you on these threshold, on these points. Um, I think 
they're just in a better position all the way around to win games like this, these uh, potential shootout games. And I think games where they'll struggle, Atlanta, is when obviously the teams have it all in the bag, right? They've got a great defense and pass rush, and they've got uh, a stable offense that's capable of putting up points. Um, I think the the real onus is on Atlanta to not kick field goals. I'm going to say that a lot uh, this year because that's what we saw last year is the teams that are kicking field goals are losing football games. The teams that are scoring touchdowns are straight up winning games. And I get it. One's worth six, one's worth three. No kidding, Jared. Right. So keep that in mind. First team to kick field goal loses. Um, and I'm saying that tongue in cheek. It's not exactly true, but man, it feels like it works a lot. Um, so we kind of both agree there. Let's talk about in, in, in what I see is like a step down from the, from the first Sunday game. Um, the Jets and Bills play uh, in Bills Stadium uh, on Sunday at one o'clock, and the the Bills are a six and a half point favorite uh, at home. Feels right. It does feel right. Uh, what do you think going into this game, Jets or Bills? Uh, I think this is going to be the Bills, and I think it's going to be not. I would pretty- bet the- Bills. I don't think that the Jets have really got a whole lot of options. Um, oh. They lost Robbie Anderson this offseason. Um, you know, they drafted Denzel Mims, um, you know, Levy and Bell and other offseason, you know, getting a chance to like really work out and come in in shape this year. Right. Might make a difference. Um, but ultimately, you still have the same issues um, they had with the Jets before is they, they have a lack of weapons surrounding Sam Darnold. They they're okay at certain spots on the defense, but not great. Um, and Adam Gase just kind of feels like he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> and that's just, he does have that deer in headlights look every yeah, time. I like see him he, every time, like you look at him, you're like, you, you ever meet those people in your life where you just talk to them for a couple minutes and you look at them and they've got this look in their eyes that they have no idea what is going on in the world and they're just like hmm wow and you're like what is wrong with you yes yeah, um, dude you're come on. in the nfl now come on <laughs> i agree um, and so i don't think this is uh, the bills they, they had added stefan diggs this offseason yeah they did um zach moss at the running back position in the draft um they were able to extend tradavius uh, white in the, the defensive secondary it, they've got a lot of a lot of good players there um throughout that that organization they should they should compete for this afc east now that tom brady's out of new england fully agree i'm calling it too. buffalo bills win the afc east this year uh they've they've got it on both sides of the ball I'm getting to start off at home with a cupcake and i say that with a heavy heart because i am a usc fan so i really do want sam darnold to be uh, better than he has been thus far. I want him to continue to take a step forward and to lead his team, however limited they are on offense. We both we both agree. Like I think the offense is more robust uh, out of the Bills. I think Josh Allen is a step up. Uh, just like we were talking about Russell Wilson and Matt Ryan, even though I kind of disagree with that assessment, I think that Josh Allen's mobility is clutch. I think I've seen him rush 50-plus yards um, in, in single carries. Uh, in back-to-back seasons, and it's things like that that keep, you keep in mind. Uh, this Josh Allen, Sam Darnold matchup, 
uh, keep that in mind when the game's going. Because we remember, I, I said this last year quite a few times. There's a handful of plays in every football game that determine the outcome, typically. Obviously, a lot of the times it's scoring plays, and sometimes it's more than one. I get that. But what I, I say that to say, watch Josh Allen make plays with his feet when the Jets defense does something right. And remember me saying that's going to be the difference in this football game because I don't I don't look at Sam Darnold and say the same thing that if he gets in trouble and he has to get out of the pocket, he can make a play with his feet. I'm not saying he can't run. I'm saying that's not his game. His game is to drop back, make a quick decision and get the ball out of his hands. I just don't think he's got the personnel to make that happen and be really successful at that. And I think losing, like you said, you brought up up front, he lost Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson is one of the better wide receivers that Sam Darnold will play with in his career. And for him to lose a quality target like that, it's going to hurt your offense. And I think it hurts your offense week one when you get blown out like 38 to 21 uh, in, uh, on the road uh, to the eventual division winner. Um, let's kind of move on. Bears and Lions on Sunday at 1 o'clock um, in Ford Field in Detroit. Um, let's see. And Detroit is a three-point home favorite. Who do you that, think wins this game? Feels right. I, I'd probably say... Um, this is a good good question. Uh, yeah. Because I think the Bears have the better defense. Um, I think the Lions have the better offense. Um, so I'm going to go with the Lions... <laughs> win in this game in a shocker um even though you said they were favored right yeah they are favored it it's because mitch trubisky or, or nick Foles. i have no faith in either of them as a chicago quarterback or the bears quarterback I, I just don't think that they can do it um and especially given that mitch trubisky was named the starter that's i i just don't have any faith that trubisky can can lead the bears and and win a game for them um, Matt Safford uh, is he's a he's a, probably a top seven quarterback, top ten quarterback in this league, pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Kenny Kenny Galladay is a top ten wide receiver, um, arguably. You've got you know Julian Edelman and, and um, uh, Golden Tate. Um, is that no Marvin Jones Jr. Um, there that are sneaky good wide receivers underneath? They drafted DeAndre Smith or DeAndre mm-hmm. Swift in the in the draft. Yeah. Um, I believe they still have carry on Johnson. And so they, they've got some good pieces on offense. Um, but I, have, I honestly have no idea what they're doing on defense for Detroit. So, like, <laughs> that's the that's the that's the conundrum is they got Akuda, right? Yeah, they got Jeff Akuda in the draft. And that's um, all I know. But yeah, like, that's <laughs> the thing. I knew like a couple years ago they had Dominic and Sue, but that was like six years ago, I feel like. Right. Um. And I have no idea whether he's still playing or not. Uh, and that's the thing is I don't know anything about the the Lions defense, but I have so much more faith in their defense that I know no one about, nothing about, to take down Mitch Trubisky than I have in in any other team right now. Um, I, and how sad is that for Bears fans? They've got Mitch Trubisky who. You, you think that he's going to be okay when you draft him in the top 10, even though most of us were like, um, maybe y'all need to slow your roll. He really probably shouldn't have gone that high. 
Um, and then they traded for Nick Foles and now are kind of up a up a creek. Because if you don't have a quarterback, you can't win in this league because you need adequacy at least. And the Bears yeah. simply don't have that. But the Bears do have is a boom bust quarterback. Um, and they I'm gonna take the Mac on defense. So like they can I'm get to the take, quarterback, but yeah. I'm gonna take the Bears to win on the road, but I'm hesitant primarily because David Montgomery, Cordero, uh, Patterson, Khalil Mack, all questionable. And then on Detroit Lions side, Galladay, Swift, Amendola, uh, all questionable. What I see from my perspective potentially is kind of um, a weak offensive uh, showing for Detroit. And I think this is a game where this is going to be a game where your options are going to be limited to score. I don't think uh, the Bears defense allows the opposing team across their 40 but like a third of their opponent's possessions, which is top five in the NFL. Um, so I would be hesitant to pick Detroit uh, to win at home, even though the home team usually wins like 60 plus percent of the time, simply because um, I'm not saying Mitch Trubisky's the guy. I'm saying he's boom bust. And his last game, in his last five games, he beat Detroit last year. Um, and I, again, I'm not saying that they did enough on offense. They did. I don't know that they addressed their issues well enough for me to say this. I don't know if they've regressed, but I know, like you said, they have Khalil Mack on defense. He gets a turnover or a turnover and a sack or a turnover and a touchdown. Again, that could be the difference in the ball game. So it's for that reason that having that defensive playmaker capable of, of making just one or two plays, just like you were talking about Jadavion Clowney earlier in our conversation today, like Cleo Mack strips that ball and they get possession inside their opponents 20 and they score a touchdown in the opening drive. Now, what are we thinking? Detroit's in a hole. It's gonna be really hard for them to score and get out of this because somebody's confidence is hurting now, right? Cause you just turn the ball over. Um, so we kind of broke there finally, right? On a game where hey, it's like, quick, hey. Quick clarification. I think I said Julian Edelman plays for Lions. It's Danny Amendola, like you said. Um, no, just okay. to not confuse anybody. Um, I think I said Edelman. I meant Amendola. Gotcha, brother. And we'll kind of move on. I picked the Bears. Um, Steven picked the Lions to win at home. And then let's move on. One o'clock Sunday. The Packers. And Vikings play at USA Bank Stadium. Um, they're in Minneapolis. Uh, let's see. Uh, Vikings are a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home, which means Vegas does expect Green Bay to upset. Uh, and so the question is, who do you think wins this game, sir? I think it's going to be the Packers. Um I think the Packers have a better team than the Vikings. Um, I think you're going to see Aaron Rodgers come in and just go, you know, guns a blazing and just light the world on fire. Vikings, Daniel Hunter, um, it was put on injured reserve. And so he won't be there for this game. Also will miss the game against the Colts next week uh, for all those Colts fans um, that are probably listening to this podcast because yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I, I think the Packers will win this um, because I think they've got more in terms of offense and defense than the Vikings. I don't have faith, a lot of faith in Kirk Cousins to really get it done when he needs to. They lost Stefan Diggs, who is their, their number one wide receiver. I'll be interested to see how Adam Thielen can, can navigate and how Dalvin Cook can play without mm-hmm. that extra wide receiver out there. Um, they did get Justin Jefferson as a replacement. I don't know how quickly he will make that transition from LSU to the NFL. Um, The the Vikings defense is solid, um, but they did now lose Everson Griffin and they lost Daniel Hunter. So they lost their two defensive ends um, going into the season, which is going to be tough for any defense. Um, Packers have Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. Uh, Well, one of them opted out, didn't they? Um, I thought maybe. Uh, I'll have to check that you you're probably right well the thing i was i kind of i agree i think green bay upsets on the road uh, obviously not happy with kirk cousins recent comments about how he didn't he didn't really agree with mask wearing i think that's kind of ignorant given the situation i also think that you can lose the faith of the people in the locker room around you and like just like you just said with losing stefan diggs the, gr- the great thing about minnesota's offense in the last few years is that you had to guard them on the outside you had to take stefan diggs out of the game you had to keep a cap on that on the downfield uh pass on downfield routes and they had Adam Thielen underneath. So it made it difficult to defend. And then Dalvin cook when, when healthy, right. Uh, was able to run well because the threats were on the outside and in the passing game and the defense had to work that out. Here's their problem. Now, now you only have Adam Thielen who is primarily, who is not taking the top off the defense. And I, and I don't believe Justin Jefferson's that player either. So I think they're both possession-based receivers that run good routes, that get themselves open. That can sustain drives. That doesn't score points. Um, There is no reasonable tight end threat for the Packer offense, so you're not forcing the defense to be focused on multiple matchups. And I'm a Kyle Rudolph stand, so I'm just letting you know he's not nearly the threat we thought he was going to be coming out of Notre Dame. He's still good, just not great. And good does not win football games. And if you flip it around, you look at the Packers. First of all, this is Aaron Rodgers versus Kirk Cousins, and you take uh, Aaron Rodgers all day. And then I think Aaron Jones is just as comparable a runner as Dalvin Cook. And I think that the the totality of the Packer offense is better on the whole than the Viking offense. And then add to that that the Viking defense is missing at two best pass rushers. And that's a recipe for disaster on defense. If you're not able to pressure Aaron friggin' Rogers of all quarterbacks in the NFL, you're going to get burnt. So I look, I look for the Packers to win this one going away. And they also Packers also won their last meeting last year, 23, 20. So it's not like the Packers haven't beat, haven't been able to beat the Vikings. And it's not that either team are terrible. It's just, I agree with you. I think the pa- the lack of pass rush is going to hurt the Vikings, and I think that uh, when you just compare apples to apples, Aaron Rodgers um, is just on another level. Um, let's so kind of another quick clarification point. Neither the only Green Bay Packer that opted out of the season was Devin Funchess. Um, oh, really? And so, yeah, interestingly enough, so they will have both Darius Smith and Preston Smith. So okay. And that then, doesn't change anything because we already picked them to win. But yeah, doesn't change much. Um, moving on to the next game, this uh, would would have been a far more interesting game if it were Cam versus Tua. Uh, it's Cam um, 
versus Fitzmagic for the umpteenth time. Um, Miami uh, plays uh, in New England in Gillette Stadium. Uh, let's see here. Oh, wow. Um, so this is going to be one of those ones that we go a little bit into, at length about. Is this a pick game? It is not a pick game. They've got New England as six-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Really? They do. Um, I think that's interesting. I think that I'll let you go first, and then I'm I have a little bit to talk about the six and a half point spread. I think that's a little loose. Wow. Um, it. I think the Patriots will win this game, but I would take the Dolphins with the spread um, mm-hmm. on it. So the Patriots. Cam Newton is not. If Bill Belichick can get Cam Newton back to where he was, which Bill Belichick is the best coach in arguably NFL history. Um, And so I think that he will put Cam Newton in the best position to succeed. um, And he's tailored that offense around Cam Newton, what he does. Mm -hmm. I think that the Patriots are going to win. They're better defensively than the Dolphins. Um, The Dolphins have a couple good weapons. um, And the the trouble with the Dolphins is you never know what Fitzmagic is going to show up. It's either going to be Fitzmagic or Fitztragic. And (laughs) it's, it's never in between. It's, it's one of those two um extremes and so dolphins have some some decent playmakers you know preston williams Devontae parker um last season really started to show up uh you know the defense they've got xavian howard on the outside um he's a solid defensive player i i just think that the patriots have a lot more in terms of of weapons yeah, um, both offensively and defensively. So I, I think the Patriots will win, ultimately win the game, but I think it's going to be closer than six and a half. So I, I want, I want to be able to safely bet against the Patriots. It's like a small life goal of mine to be like, yeah, I can bet against the Patriots and win. The first rule of Fight Club, though, is so long as Bill Belichick is the head coach of the Patriots, you don't necessarily want to bet against them. I similarly would take New England straight up. Um, I would have an issue taking them with six and a half points because it's a new quarterback and in the first game of a season that I anticipate is not going to be great. Um, great play in the beginning uh, just because of a lack of uh, preseason. Um I would, I think, if I were, if you hadn't said I'll take Miami against the spread, um, I think I may have gone that direction. But the more I think about it, it's like, I don't actually know if Cam Newton is going to be able to elevate his play. Uh, if he, you know, he'd become kind of one-dimensional. I would argue that, that one, him becoming one-dimensional had a lot to do with personnel. Um, and not is not so much on cam. And I think if anyone's going to extract the maximum potential out of another human being, it's uh, Bill Belichick. Um, so part of me wants to say, hey, this is the year uh, Miami is a full-blown dumpster or New England's a full-blown dumpster fire. Usually we're saying that about Miami. Um, and I think we're just on to a watch. Uh, when it comes uh, to the quarterback situation in Miami. So I'm not saying it's going to happen this week. I think that would be a little arrogant. Uh, but I will I will kind of put the thought out there that depending on which version of Fitz Magic we get, you could see Tua, and again, I'm not even saying this week, 
um, well before you would expect to see him. There are a lot of people out there saying halfway point, three-quarter point of the season maybe, if, especially if they're real bad, then give to a shot. Uh, Fitz plays bad enough, especially opening the season. That could change things quickly. It's also worth pointing out, Devontae Parker has been a little banged up. That does affect the playmaking ability of the Miami offense. Uh, I don't know if it's going to keep him out of the game. we still got a few days before that matters anyway. Um, so like I said, I sort of agree, but I would just take New England straight up. And then... It's funny, because as I started talking about it, I was like, you know, maybe I should take New England. This <laughs> right? <is> not... <laughs> like, I, I take them to win. Like We're just doing a pick on yeah. But yeah, like sat there and like thought about it. It's like maybe. Yeah. Eh, I'm not gonna take. I'm not gonna seriously yeah. tell like the four people that listen to our podcast that I believe Miami is going to beat the Patriots in Gillette Stadium Week One because then everyone should stop listening to me because I don't know what I'm talking about. Clearly, I've lost my mind. Um, I think they'll win. I just have a feeling this could get ugly. And this will be one of those ugly one o'clock games. Um, yeah. Speaking of ugly one o'clock games, it's not terrible, but it's it's yeah. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles play uh, uh, the, Washington the Washington football, football teams. teams. Yeah. So welcome to the NFL, where kneeling is a crime, and one of our teams doesn't have a name. Um, the Eagles are a six-point favorite on the road. Uh, playing at FedEx Field in Landover, Maryland. Um, who do you think wins this game? The Eagles. Yeah. The Eagles, I believe, are just better on both sides of the ball. We don't even need to spend a lot of time on this particular game. Um, yeah, like that was my entire analysis. Eagles. Yeah, yeah. Eagles, uh, a better okay. quarterback. Now, went- don't get me wrong. I could go deep dive into the Eagles because my wife is an Eagles fan. Until I know a lot about the franchise, I've been to Philadelphia. I saw the Colts play there a couple of years ago. Um, and so I know a lot like about the Eagles. Love? Do I? How'd you like the city, city of brotherly love? Oh, I really liked it. They didn't like me as much. Um, <laughs> but that was kind of as expected. Um, yeah, they had some choice words for me in my Colts jersey. Um, but thankfully, I sat up with, with the other other Colts fans and actually sat next to uh, Zach Pascoe's family. Um, okay. I don't know how many times I've told that story, but I, I talked to his brother and his met his dad and his mom and his well, sister. Awesome. So yeah, it was ra- really random. Um, they took the picture of my wife and I at the game. So um, wow. it's a random story, but yeah. So huh. me and Zach Pascoe are like BFFs now, right? Something like that. Yeah. Um, I'm just joking. I've never actually met him um, in real life, but I've met his family. Nice people. Very nice people, actually. Uh, but, yeah, there's not much analysis here. Philadelphia no. should crush Washington. Washington's only chat is if Dwayne Haskins somehow gets loose and goes crazy and Terry McLaurin becomes Scary Terry. Um, the Eagles don't have great depth in their secondary, so maybe he gets a, he gets a big game. If you're playing fantasy, you probably want to start McLaurin because they're probably going to be playing from behind. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's about it. Yeah, I think the Eagles, much much along the lines of what you're saying, they're winners of four of their last five last year. Conversely, the Washington football team, not only did they lose their name, they lost four of their last five. Then we look at the offseason and we say, well, for me, 
uh, Jalen Rager, Miles Sanders, these these guys, this young this young offensive these young offensive weapons are going to work wonders for the Eagles, um, specifically in the in the run game, specifically in the open field. And I just think when it comes to Washington football team, you still have a young Dwayne Haskins, you still have young weapons. Um, I'm not I'm not necessarily going to call this a blowout, but I'm just going to point out Philly's a six point favorite on the road remember you get three points on for being the, the home road. team they're saying this game is going to be 10 or more points in Philly's 10 plus favorite. points so this is this is more of a blowout potential than the, the bills jets game or the or the oh. new england game like this has real blowout potential i just it's like a, a professional football organization the eagles are traveling to play Oh, I thought you were just talking about the Washington's new team name, this Washington Professional Football Organization. We, I have a hard time calling you a professional football organization if you don't have a name. No, I mean, yeah. so no, that <laughs> is the name they took. They, they they added that as their name, so then people were like, "Oh, that's right, they play football." <laughs> um, because oh man! Before we had no idea. Because yeah, we, we, never we didn't know really what we were watching. You guys on highlights, it was just some other team, and then these guys in, in maroon and gold. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, yeah. I should probably stop on that, <laughs> that deep, The deep cuts. Um, yeah, well, yeah. Kind of, <laughs> and, and to keep it kind of moving here, let's talk about uh, the Las Vegas Raiders play at the Carolina Panthers in Bank America Stadium. Um, the Raiders are three-point favorites on the road. Who do you think wins this game? That's a good question. Um, I think ultimately Oakland will win this game, but I don't have a lot of faith in that answer because um, okay. Carolina's okay on defense. They've got some good weapons on offense, and they just got Teddy Bridgewater. Now the question is, will Matt Rule let Teddy play? Because um, yeah. like Teddy Bridgewater is really accurate down the field if you give him a chance and let him let him wing it. They've got T.J. Moore. Yeah. Um, as wide receiver, solid wide receiver. You've got Christian McCaffrey, who is arguably the best player in football right now, but right. not named Patrick Mahomes. Um, and then now the Raiders on, on the other side, um, you don't know what you're going to get with Derek Carr um, on any on any given week. They did uh, add Henry Ruggs to the wide receiver position. I think mm-hmm. the, the rookie that, that nobody's really talking about is Brian Edwards. Um who I really like in terms of like a deep stash fantasy. Um, but uh, he's just, he's just a good player. And if not for the injuries, I think he would have probably gone early second round. Um, and then you've got Josh Jacobs at the running back position uh, that I, I think ultimately it's whichever quarterback plays better in sure. this game. Um, and so that to me, I, I think I'm probably going to feel more comfortable with the Raiders um, because you know Teddy's really kind of learning a new system, um, and so I, I think I, I probably feel more comfortable with the Raiders. But it's a lot closer than than what I initially thought when I looked at this game. Loosest thing I'll probably say all day: I would take the over, uh, which is 48 on this game, because I think the defenses for these teams are going to let them down. Obviously, Carolina no Kukli Raiders would just generally no defensive effort at all. Um, Remember, though, the Raiders are a three-point favorite on the road, which means they're favored to win by a touchdown on the road. 
uh, in real talk. Um, I think that it's worth it's worth pointing that out. Hey, this the Raiders are supposed to win this going away, right? Remember, anytime it's like a four or less point spread, that's supposed to be a pretty close game as long as the home team's the favorite. But if the home team is the dog, that means Vegas betters are saying, you know, Derek Carr's been in this probably league a, a while, probably going to be a touchdown plus game. They've got good a good running back, a proven running back. Um, obviously, CMC is fantastic, but if you're trying to game plan against Carolina, one of the things you aren't having to do is game planning for Carolina having a fullback at quarterback and running that down your throat too. Um, Teddy Bridgewater is not the same size, build, play style. He's more of a drop back passer, uses his feet uh, intelligently. Uh, I think he, he's limited in a way that Cam was kind of able to rise above in a lot of football games. And that's why I think the the Raiders are able to win just because Again, we talk about consistency, same players, um, Derek Carr again, Josh Jacobs again. These guys getting to play more together just wins more than rookie, you know, new guy, new quarterback, great running back, good wide receiver, but question marks all over the field. That's Carolina, right? New QB, one, great wide receiver one, great running back one. But then outside of that, it's a who? Like, who's that guy? I don't know them. It's hard to it's hard to think that they're going to overcome a bunch of known entities that have been playing in the same organization or even the same coaching staff, GM stuff. Um, and even the their addition for Carolina with Robbie Anderson in the offseason, that's yeah. that was their big addition, and he's a deep deep threat. Which, yeah. like I said before, if you let Teddy wing it, you know he's got he's got a shot. Yeah, he's, he's really accurate deep if you give him a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just typically don't let him throw it. And so or they didn't in, in Minnesota. They didn't in New Orleans when he subbed in for Drew Brees. It, it's just, yeah, I, I feel more confident in the Raiders than I do in the Panthers. And that's 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 my that's my case. Moving on to Cleveland at Baltimore, one o'clock on Sunday. Um this is kind of the kind of the the kickoff to the season in my eyes for the one o'clock games, just because it's kind of is Cleveland what we thought they were, and can Baltimore maintain? Uh, for perspective, uh, the Raiders are an eight-point favorite at home, so this is not supposed to be a close game either. Um, only player doubtful or out for either team is Chris Moore, the wide receiver for the Ravens. I don't know how much that's going to impact their offense. Uh, I tend to pick teams with a more mobile quarterback if I've ever got like a a question mark as to who I think is going to win. So the question, of course, is who you think is going to win? Uh, I think Baltimore is going to win, but I think this is going to be closer than people think. Um, because Cleveland's no slouch of a team. Um, no. now they are implementing a new system with Kevin Stefanski. Um, he's an actual NFL head coach versus Freddie Kitchen, who's was Ma- uh, makeup. Yeah, like I don't know what they made up. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I took so much heat last year for saying Freddie Kitchen was a terrible coach and he was going to lead them, just run that that franchise down the drain and and everything. And but wait, what and, happened? Oh, well, what happened is 
He ran uh, the exactly down. what I said would happen. Oh man, happened is they lost. He lost control of the locker room, and he wasn't a good fit for the organization that had a lot of younger players, more volatile players. And sure enough, by the end of the season, you had your best player get suspended for the rest of the year for taking a helmet and swinging it into some guy's head. So that. Yeah, needless to say, I think Kevin Stefanski will bring a calming influence to that that franchise, to that team. Um, mm-hmm. He's not going to put up with the same BS that Freddie Kitchens did. Um, I think that the the new GM they got in, I forget his name, but he's from the, the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, he will be a, a great option um, there for them. Um, gosh, why is it? Andrew, um, Andrew Barry. Andrew Barry. Um, He's the one, uh, the GM there. He's a solid GM, mm-hmm. um, and so I think they're gonna they're gonna improve this year. It's gonna be a lot closer. They've got some great pieces on defense. Um, they've got a really good wide receiver set. Um, if they could just get an offensive line to block for them, um, that would be that's that's always gonna be the the Achilles heel for the the Browns because yeah. um, they've got a one two punch at running back with Nick Chubb and Cream Hunt. They've got a solid quarterback with Baker Mayfield. They've got wide receivers, Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. You and and you've got uh, Joku. David and Joku at tight end, and they just mm-hmm. signed um, Austin Hooper this past offseason. So they've got the players. Yeah, they got weapons all over the place. The question again is continuity, it's, right? Like it, continuity and can the offensive line hold up um, yeah. for the Ravens? The interesting thing I'm gonna I'm gonna look for with the Ravens is. How are teams going to play Lamar Jackson now that they've got a blueprint at how to beat him? Because right. Tennessee gave that blueprint. Right. Um, is, you know, you you restrict what Lamar Jackson does. You keep him in front of you. You keep a spy on him. And you make sure that he has to throw, I think, it's outside the numbers. And you you cover deep, cover shell deep. So you can't just throw the deep bomb to Marquise Brown. Yep. And you make him throw outside, um, which is – the hardest throw an NFL quarterback makes takes a lot of arm The throw outside the numbers to a receiver on that sideline. Oh yeah. Um, that's, that's the hardest throw. And and this is why, and it will bring up a, a Colts thing here is this is why a lot of fans um, and media people were impressed with and other players were impressed with Jacob Eason because he can make that throw with speed and velocity. Yep. Um, and Philip Rivers even said, man, I can't, that's the throw I don't have where he just doesn't have that velocity. He can make that throw, but he's got to throw it a lot earlier than what Jacob Eason has to. Um, but Lamar Jackson doesn't have that arm. And so if you no. can contain him, you can contain the Ravens. Um, now the question is... Or at is, least you could. You, you could. could. I, I say, the question is, can you contain him? Because the, qu- the question is, what what improvement? 20 weeks, nobody could contain him. <laughs> the, the real question is, brother, what has Lamar Jackson done in this offseason to further develop his game? And I think if I'm, you know, I w- we've said this episode after episode. If we are recognizing this, what do you think the franchises that we're talking about, what do you think they see? They see the same thing we do, right? So when we say, man, Tennessee really gave everybody the blueprint on how to beat Lamar Jackson in the Baltimore offense, right? Well, what do you think Lamar Jackson spent all summer doing? If it was me, it's probably throwing at tires, right? 15, 20 yards down the field, 
that are, you know, they're on a rope and it just turns and you just hit it. Obviously, if you could practice with wide receivers, I was trying to be conscientious that COVID-19 is still around, right? So if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm dropping back and I'm trying to hit uh, a target down the field uh, and trying to pass like like we've been talking about outside the numbers. Uh, let let them stack the box, expect anticipating the run, and do do exactly what you want to do is is beat them all the way around, right? Beat them with the pass, beat them with the run. Let the quarterback make plays for you. That's just fine. Um, and I, that's that's the difference I think in this game. So I would take uh, Baltimore to win straight up at home, and I kind of agree. I think if anything is going to happen in this game, it's Baltimore underestimates uh, Cleveland. I don't think it's the other way around because the other way around, it's a blowout. This game was never close. I'm right anyway. What I am saying is I kind of agree with you. I think there's a chance with a change in culture in Cleveland that they come out on one and they look like the team we thought they were going to be based on what you saw on paper. And of course, there were moments and there were stretches of game last year where the where the uh, Browns did look serviceable, but I don't think that this week is necessarily their come up, right? It's gonna it's gonna take a season uh, with a new regime. And again, I'm always gonna point out continuity, consistency. These things win football games. That's why Baltimore wins on Sunday. Let's go to uh, 405 games. Remember, we're gonna do Colts last, so hang in there. Um, the 405, the Chargers play at the Cincinnati Bengals in Paul Brown Stadium on Sunday. Um, and the Chargers are three-point favorites on the road. Who do you think wins this game? Um, I think this game is going to be a lot closer, again, than a lot of people think. Um, I'm going to go with the Chargers because I think they've got a better defense than the Bengals. Um, and I, I just, I don't know how well Joe Burrow is going to handle the speed of an NFL season. Um, you know, assuming Keenan Allen is healthy and can play for the chargers, um, and Mike Williams, I think is also a game time decision. Um, so if, if either of those guys are out, that kind of sways where I'm going to go, yeah. um, with it. Cause Tyrod Taylor is not going to lose you a game. Um, but he's also not going to go out and win one for you. So you just got to hope the defense holds up against Joe Burrow. The Bengals defense is meh. Um, not that's like, that's my saying of the day is meh. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like the Chargers are probably going to win this game um, against the Bengals, but I wouldn't be surprised to see the Bengals pull off the upset. Cause it's Tyrod Taylor versus Joe Burrow, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause Herbert, yeah. Tyrod Taylor is the, uh, or Tyrod. Um, yeah. is the the starting quarterback there for Los Angeles Chargers this year. So, in essence, in actuality, this is Terod Taylor versus Joe Burrow. And if I have to t- have to decide between a rookie quarterback that just happened to play on the greatest college football team of all time with some of the best players in college football all time, uh, I have to take Joe Burrow. And it's for one player and one player only. And that's A.J. Green. Uh, AJ Green did not play last year. AJ Green is back, and I have this feeling that uh, when it really comes down to it, you're gonna you're gonna really feel uh, the difference between uh, those two quarterbacks. Because you know, Terod Taylor's had problems in the past with not being confident enough, right? Oh, 
Yeah, sorry, I thought that was rhetorical. <laughs> yeah, so it's it kind of goes without saying, that's why we call those rhetorical uh, statements, that if I had to pick who's going to play up to their potential, it's Joe Burrow. If I had to pick someone that's going to give you a, a consistent effort, they're going to complete a good percentage of their passes, they're not going to give your ball away, you know what I mean? They're not going to give your game away. Though that's Terod Taylor up and down, right? He doesn't take a lot of risks. He's a conservative passer. Uh, those things tend to lead to heartbreak losses more than me suggesting Joe Burrow plays up to his potential uh, in this particular outing to start his career. I think it gives, in my eyes, it gives kind of a jolt to the rest of the NFL and the rest of their division that he's not he's not just another rookie quarterback. Uh, there's a reason he was chosen number one overall, and I believe in that. Uh, and we we both watched him play last year. We both know what Joe's capable of and how that transformation has gone for him from a guy that left Ohio State because he was the third-string quarterback um, and then now number one pick in the NFL starting for uh, a team in his home state. I can't imagine – of all of the players in the NFL, and I, and I, I was born in Dayton, but that's not why I'm saying it. Uh, I have this thing about players going home and playing at home. And when I say home, I actually mean it for Joe Burrow. He's from Southeast Ohio. Um, so for me, I'd love to see him play up, get a big win at home, uh, give a big boost to your team. You were going to say something. I could feel it. No. Okay. So let's move on. Another 405 game. <laughs> <laughs> the Bucks play at the Saints. Um, so the Saints are three and a half point favorite at home. So for those playing along with us, this means they literally project this to be straight up and down like a tie. This is an overtime football game. This is uh, the big game of the week uh, in my eyes. Just Two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, two top five quarterbacks all time, Brady at five, uh, Breeze at three for me. Um, who do you think wins this game, brother? Uh, I'm going to say the Saints, um, which might be surprising to some. Um, I think they've got a better offense with more continuity. Um, I think they've got a better defense. Uh, and not to say the Buccaneers have you know, a bad offense or bad defense, it's that you know, Tom Brady's coming into a system that he's never played in and he's played in the league for 20 years at the same system. Mm -hmm. um, he's got arguably better weapons all around than what he ever had in New England um, at any one specific time. And so that's, that's going to be interesting to see um, the defense wise though, uh, you know, the same, uh, well, let me look over the Saints offense. They've got Michael Thomas, obviously Alvin Kamara, and then they added Emmanuel Sanders. And if you watch the end of the year, um, Jared Cook really came on at the tight end position. And so you're going to have continuity with guys that are, that are smart, that have been in the system, that they really know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, they're with new Orleans. You've got you know, guys coming back healthy for the saints so that on um, their defense that they missed last year. Yeah. Um, I feel like the Saints are a better football team overall. Um, and don't get me wrong, I really like Bruce Arians, but I think the Saints are better coached as well. Oh, for sure. And and again, similarly to talking about great quarterbacks, we're also talking about great head coaches, great fan bases. Uh, I've actually been to a Tampa Bay game and a game in New Orleans. Those are great, great fan bases and great places to watch football games. Um, similarly, I would take the Saints to win their home opener. 
uh, over uh, Tom Brady, Gronk, Fournette, like this island of misfit toys uh, out of Tampa is what I'm kind of referring to their offense at this point. Um, And I say that to say the Saints are the polar opposite, right? Drew Brees, longtime quarterback for the Saints. Michael Thomas, Ben, the best wide receiver in the NFL. Alvin Kamara, one of the best offensive threats. Uh, Taysom Hill to come in and change pace for you. Uh, I think when you look at uh, if the tight, if the Bucks are able to overcome the Saints on the road week one, it sets up a rematch that'll be even bigger down the road. But I have a feeling that Tom Brady gets shaken up in this first game and gets beat by Drew Brees, which again cements I think Drew Brees is one of the one of the best, probably top three quarterbacks all time. I think Brady's starting to slip. Uh, I've been saying it. The stats back us up on that, and that's kind of why I think the Saints win their home opener. Is just they've been playing together longer. They have more established weapons, uh, particularly when it comes to their their running back. Right? They Alvin Kamara over Ronald Jones and, and Leonard Fournette like all day long, right? And then it's just uh, who who else steps up and makes big plays. And I just think in terms of developing a franchise, I feel like the Saints are a little farther along. I think the Buccaneers are kind of a patchwork uh, offense, right? That doesn't necessarily beat that – that doesn't beat consistency. Um, so, again, I think we're both taking the Saints to, to capitalize at home. And then uh, 4:25 on Sunday, the Arizona Cardinals play at the San Francisco 49ers in Levi's Stadium, uh, and the San Francisco 49ers are projected to win by seven at home. So the second biggest uh, spread in a home team's favor out of everybody. Uh, who do you think wins this game, brother? I think San Francisco is going to win this game. Um, and I don't think it's going to be too close. They've got the better overall talent than what what Arizona does. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. What do you think? Well, ob- obviously, you got to bring up the the new relationship between uh, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, right? For the for the Arizona offense. And again, I think it's worth saying up front. Hey, it'd be great if these guys had played together for a long time and they were in year two, year three of that relationship. Then I'd be a lot more likely to say, you know, they have this great rapport and relationship on field and it really comes out and, you know, uh, Hopkins can just take over a football game. I want to say it, but I don't believe that right now because I don't really know that to be true. But what I know to be true, the brand of football that San Francisco plays is the brand of football I want the Colts to play, which is that smash mouth, hit you in the face, and just tell you straight up from play one that, that we're going to come back the next play and do the same thing. Good luck. Uh, the only slip for the 49ers, from what I can tell, is that Debo and Brandon Ayuk are both kind of banged up. That makes it difficult to stretch yeah. the field. That makes you kind of one-dimensional, and I don't see anything on the injury report for Arizona. And if it just comes down to who plays and who don't, I still think San Francisco wins a game, even if those two wide receivers don't even play. Um, so that's how I feel. Uh, again, sort of agreeing with you, but uh, I have a feeling there yeah. is there is upset potential. I just don't. I'm not. I would not call that. I would just say like, hey. you I, I'm interested to see what happens between Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins on Arizona's offense. I just don't know anyone else on that team that is going to be 
able to beat the San Francisco defense consistently. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, and I think that you're going to – here's the thing. With Arizona, like, as a whole, go a little bit deeper real quick. Um, Arizona, their offense, it's going to be interesting how Cliff Kingsbury uses DeAndre Hopkins um, with uh, the different options he's got. Because you, you've still got Larry Fitzgerald there. You've got Christian Kirk at wide receiver. So you've got three pretty solid wide receivers – there in Arizona, and you have a top five wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. Um, now the question is, will he be able to get acclimated with Kyler Murray in that time? And then you've got Kenya Drake, who is a sneaky good fantasy back. Um, if you look at his end of season performance last year, you see that once he was the guy, he was dominating games. He was consistently a top 10 running back uh, week in, week out in fantasy. And so the question will be, ultimately is can the 49ers um, limit him? I think they can yeah. um, because I think they've got the speed on defense. They've got the players on defense that it's not going to be as big of an issue um, as some of the others. And so that's where I'm kind of at with it. I, I think that the, the question mark with Debo um, is obviously there. Um mm-hmm. The, and Debo and Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. And then you know, what are they going to do at the running back position? Is it going to be Raheem Mostert? Is it going to be Tevin, Tevin Campbell or Coleman? Um, is it – yeah. I, I think ultimately the San Francisco defense wins this game for them because they think they're just markedly better than, than yeah. the Arizona offense. Agree. Let's move along. Uh, Sunday night football, brother. The Dallas Cowboys play at the Los Angeles Rams in SoFi Stadium. And Dallas is a three-point road favorite, so you know what that means. They're picking the Cowboys to win by a touchdown on the road. Who do you think wins this game? Um, I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Um, I I think that they're a better overall team. I don't know what the Rams are going to do on offense i don't have a lot of faith in jared goff um aaron donald is obviously going to be the biggest difference maker um and then you know they've got jalen ramsey who can mark up on amari cooper um but then the cowboys also have michael gallup and they also have cd lamb and they also have um the uh connor Bar- barwin is that the their uh, tight end um who really kind of came on late in the season um that i cannot think of his name for the life of me um but are you talking about a tight end for who for the cowboys let's figure it out arwin is that is that the name sounds right um but regardless uh, and then you've got ezekiel elliott so i don't aaron donald and jalen ramsey can't cover all those guys and so Dak Prescott is arguably a top five quarterback in this league. Um, he's been a top three fantasy quarterback for the, each of the past four years. Um, he's he's a very good player. Um, they've got a very good offensive line. Their defense is stout. They added a bunch of pass rushers. Um, there's some obvious questions in their secondary for Dallas. Um, yeah. So will Sean McVay be able to go in and pick it apart? I mean, if Sean McVay had a really good quarterback, yeah, but he doesn't. He's got Jared Goff. Um, and he's got Jared Goff, so, no Todd Gurley, no Brandon Cooks, right? 
No Brandon Cooks, but don't. I think Robert Woods and, and Cooper Cup are, are, you know, solid wide receiver yeah. twos. Um, and so yeah. you've got those. Tyler Higby is a good tight end. Um, and so it's just one of those things where you're like, uh, who do you have more? Com- who do you have more faith in? Dallas with Mike McCarthy as a head coach, or and Dak Prescott, or the Rams with Sean McVay and Jared Goff. I have yeah. more faith in the Cowboys. Yeah, I, I I am of the thought process that games are won in the meeting room, games are lost on the field. And if I have to say, who do I think is winning this game from the meeting room? The Rams, McDermott, one of the best, or Sean McVay, one of the best quarterback, one of the best coaches in the NFL. But who's Blake winning? Jarwin. Yeah, that's his name. Blake Jarwin, by the Sorry. way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, third-year NFL player, increased his yards per catch and catches uh, both seasons, so could have a nice season there for Dallas as a, a off or not more of a blocking tight end, but he has a little bit of potential to catch some passes. Averages he's about one two of and a half handful of players. He's one of a handful of players that have scored that have had a hundred-yard game and three touchdown games um, in a season um, in as a tight end that had it all in one game is over a hundred yards and three touchdowns. I think there's like six or seven tight ends that have actually done that. And he's one of them. Nice. So when they give him the ball, he can play. Similarly, I, the thought process I have for this game is that, well, I think McVay is the superior head coach. I think that the game is lost on the field and the loser in this game is the Rams defense. Um, Sure. They've got Aaron Donald, but, can you name the rest of the important players on that defense? Not without a great deal of thought, but for the Dallas offense, you know they're going to have trouble um, against the run. You're going to have it with Zeke. They're going to struggle to contain Dak. They're they're going to have a problem with Amari, right? You could see problems for the Rams defense. And when I think about the Dallas defense, yeah, never been perfect. Not not for the record, they might be America's team and they are run just like an American corporation into the ground. Um, the only saving grace that Dallas has is that they have hit on the players that they've bet money on. Guys like Dak, guys like Zeke. They could pick up like Amari made Jerry Jones look real smart, right? But then if you look at the defense for Dallas – without getting too terribly in-depth about it, they just had a ton of injuries, and those guys missed a ton of games. That defense is underwhelmed for years. So that's the real fear. If I'm, I'm While I think Dallas wins this game on the field and loses it in the, lo- in the meeting room, um, if there's an opportunity for the Rams to win, it's because they're prepared to play defense against a pretty, a pretty darn good offense uh, all the way around out of Dallas. So that'll, that'll be the interesting thing for me is can – can the Rams defense stop the Cowboy offense? And then if that answer is they can limit him and it's a competitive ball game, well, hell yeah. But I just don't believe that. I, I don't believe the Ram defense can contain the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys have a better shot of, of limiting uh, the Ram offense. And as a result, I'm with you. And then there are two Sunday night football games. No, there are not. I lied. Uh, so the last game, there are two Monday night games, Steelers, Giants, Titans, We've already Broncos. talked about one of them. The Mon- the first Monday night game at 7:15 on Monday. The Steelers play at the New York Giants and 
the Steelers are a five and a half point favorite on the road. Um, who do you think wins this game? I'm going to go Steelers. Um, they've got a really good defense. Um, I don't have a lot of faith in Daniel Jones. And I don't know who the top wide receiver is for the Giants. Is it Sterling Shepard? Is it Darius Slay? Is it Golden Tate? Um, is it Saquon Barkley, which might be their number one wide receiver? Um, yeah. I, I just don't know. And then uh, you know, for the uh, um, Steelers, you know, the question is going to be how well does Ben play, Big Ben play coming back from injury? Um, right. He's got a decent offensive line. He's got a good – no, let me rephrase. He's got a very good offensive line. He's got some good weapons at the wide receiver position. He's got Eric Ebron now at the tight end position. Yep. Um, and so that you can count on like three drops a game. Um, and one big and play. And then – yeah, and one one huge play which he will celebrate as if he just won the Super Bowl. Um, and then you got love. Connor. But the the ultimately the the Steelers defense is is the key here because I think the offenses themselves Steelers have a have a advantage in the offense. I think they have an advantage in the defense. I don't think the New York Giants know what they're doing um, yeah. in terms of as a front office management or in terms of what they're going to do on offense or in on defense for that matter either. Yeah. It's, it's going to be difficult for the giants to establish who their number one wide receiver is when you feel compelled to feed Zeke or not Zeke Saquon Barkley. Um, so that's going to further compound their problem is that their week one opponent Steelers, no slouch coming in, coming into their stadium and saying, look, not only um, can the defense prov- put pressure uh, on Daniel Jones, but we're not even that confident in Daniel Jones because we know they're going to have to give the ball to Saquon Barkley. And then, you know, if, if you play fantasy football, you know Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton were like next to each other on a draft on a, every draft board. That's because just like you just got done saying, nobody knows who's the who's the number one, who's the number two guy. Now, hopefully for the Giants, for their offense to further develop. Uh, as an offense, they're able to figure that out. Like, who is the one and two? Let's get it. You know, it, far be it for me to say, like, if Saquon Barkley runs this ball real well, and then Daniel Jones is get, gets some time and connects with his receivers and moves this ball and scores touchdowns, well, yeah, they could they could keep up. But I just think, just like you said, there's more consistency and, and continuity on the Pittsburgh side, specifically defensively. And then... The Steelers are getting back Ben Roethlisberger, have Juju Smith-Schuster, have actual James Washington, have weapons that, that he they've got time with. That uh, this isn't a completely new a new team. Um, so I think just like you said, I think the Steelers get a big road win. Um, I I would call this a, a blowout. I'm calling a blowout, like 27 to 10. Like I don't think this is going to be necessarily a close football game. Um, and then to to kind of close how we figure week one's going to go. Let's talk about the game of the week uh, beyond the shadow of a doubt, right? Uh, the Indianapolis Colts will travel and play at TII bank field in Jacksonville. And the Colts are wow. Colts are an eight point road favorite. How good does that feel? Holy moly. I didn't realize they were that big of a favorite, um, but I'm also not surprised because 
Jacksonville is the worst run organization from the top down. And yes, that's including Houston. Yes, that's including the Washington football team that doesn't have a nickname. Um, right. The Jacksonville Jaguars have traded away all of their talent on defense, aside from like Miles Jack um, and Josh Allen. Uh, but they just trade away Yannick Ngakwe. They cut Leonard Fournette. Um, you're going to see Jay Gruden use Chris Thompson, similar to how he used him in, in Washington when they were there together. I think it's going to be more of a pass catching back of the backfield. They have DJ Chark, which he's a, a quality wide receiver, um, but they don't have an offensive line. They don't have a steady running back. They don't have a steady quarterback. Um, they don't have a wide receiver outside of DJ Chark. They don't have anybody on the defensive line that causes you pause. Uh, Taven Bryan has been just an absolute bust. Um, and so there's that. They don't have anybody in the secondary that really scares you. All right. Um, and then they've got a couple good linebackers. And then they have nothing to counter with the Colts and their firepower. The question mark you're going to have for the Colts is they always seem to start out slow mm -hmm. every single year. Mm -hmm. Um and, and that so didn't change with the regime change either, right? So this isn't no. something you can't also pin directly on Frank Reich and on Chris Ballard is this franchise tends to start its seasons off slow. Um, that would be the only reason, the only line of thought I'm willing to accept on not taking the Colts and the spread going away. This is a 28 to nothing football game, which is what I think will happen and what I hope will happen. Uh, the questions for me are, Philip Rivers still got it? Is Marlon Mack falling off like all the pundits are saying, or do they just not watch enough Colts football? Um, with the addition of Jonathan Taylor, is it forced defenses into eight and nine-man boxes three out of four, three, three downs in a row, right? If this is the case, there's no reason Philip Rivers can't feast. Uh, it might limit the run game. And that might be my play if I'm Jacksonville, is sell out to stop the run. Uh, and just hope you can contain Philip Rivers' um, downfield throws uh, because I don't believe that the Jacksonville offense is going to win the game for them. If there's any talent on that Jacksonville roster, it's on the defensive side, just like you said. And guys like Reichwell Armstead are banged up. The guy's supposed to be taking Leonard Fournette's spot is hurt, right? So the, the problem for Jacksonville is going to be moving the ball consistently downfield their problem on defense is who to really focus our attention on because as you've said this is the best offensive weapons the Colts have had since like the Marvin Harrison Reggie Wayne days uh, in terms of a slew of players you really don't want to try to defend because you're gonna don't have know how like right. you you literally have to pick your poison with the Colts this year is do you sell out to stop the run of Marlon Mack and, and Jonathan Taylor or do you step back and say, all right, let's see if we can stop them. Let's let them run and see if we can stop them in the past. You know, realistically, teams are going to try to stop them in the run. Um, and so it's going to be on Phillip Rivers. And given his familiarity, given the quickness he's got at receiver and at running back, I think that you're going to see Phillip Rivers just feast. And, and here's a sneaky play for fantasy this week. Paris Campbell, you know, everything you've heard about him has been just – just phenomenal from the Colts and, and yeah, it's from the Colts. So you've got to kind of go with it, but <laughs> ultimately he's going to get fed the ball a lot. 
Um, yep. And he's going to get a lot of options in space. And so you're going to see, I think you're going to see him really kind of take a step forward uh, this year. And I think that you're going to see him really kind of show out the way that they expected him to last year. And, and when he did get an opportunity, he really played well. And so I, I don't think that this is going to be close. Um, I think the Colts are going to win um, going away. And again, it's, they don't, Jacksonville's not the same team that they were the, the year that they beat the Colts six to zero no. uh, or six to three or whatever it was. And they're not even close to that that level of defense. They just don't have the talent. And so I, I just think that the Colts are going to win this one going away, and they're going to start the season one and zero. Yeah, and 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 kind of bring an end to the notion that they start see their seasons off slow. And obviously, it's worth bringing up. You not only Colts start the season slow, no preseason. So from my perspective. You try to think of all things as being the same. Everybody gets the same opportunity to get up every day, work really hard, try to get better, right? And if you just think about what are they headed for, right? What are the Colts headed for? What is Jacksonville headed for? The Colts are headed for a playoff spot. I'm going to call that now. I already have told you in prior podcasts this season that I think the Colts beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship and go to a Super Bowl and beat the Saints to get revenge because that's how the narrative gets written. Um but I also think teams like Jacksonville are headed for a top five pick again. Uh, and that's not even to say that they don't draft well. So, hey, I'm not knocking them entirely. I'm just saying, like, with the fire sale that they had on an offense or, or their team as a whole in terms of its talent that they've just let go, um, I'm, I'm pretty positive Mr. Khan, right, runs the Jags, has no clue what he's doing. Uh, you're supposed to keep your talent. Uh, and kind well, of he's he's the the GM, but then his son gets into Twitter wars with with players. And it's like, what are you doing, man? Right. Like you're you're like the digital operations president and you're sitting there getting an argument with your best player on Twitter. And like, well, I think the problem a, there is like, why is he talking that like, like, why is the owner's son getting into this? This is just dumb. Like, that idea me. that any press is good press. Uh, is not true. Um, that that's that's really what it is. A lot a lot of companies uh, in the last several years, and this this concludes this includes uh, NFL teams have decided that any time that you're being spoken about in the media is a is good for your brand. Um, but however, in the NFL, it's not great for your team, um, and that's why. Players don't want to be in Jacksonville. I mean, I get it. I've been to Jacksonville. I completely understand why somebody would want to leave that area uh, and Florida in general. Um, but it, you kind of further the point when you don't run your franchise great. Now, I, I have to say something nice about them because they are our opponent, and I'm really not trying to get death threats from Jags fans. I like Gardner Minshew. Uh, I think that they made the right decision on who should be the future of that franchise. Uh my hope for him is one that he does not get hurt because can you imagine how abysmal that locker room would be without him? And then obviously they're really thin at playmaker. And I think that that, that just doesn't give me a lot of hope for them. Um, so I know a lot of people are like, Oh, be a little more subjective. Stop being a fanboy. It's really difficult to do that when you feel like your franchise is doing the right thing. And the guy you're playing against is doing the absolute wrong thing. It's hard to be object. It's hard for me to, 
to pull back as a fan and not go so hard on Jacksonville when I, I just like you said, the Colts are in a unique position in their division to have the two worst run franchises in the NFL. Now, Houston may win some games, sure. But Jacksonville, from an operations perspective, and Houston, from an ops perspective, are just terabad. And perennial losers is what we call that. Um, and so not only do I expect Colts to win their division, I expect the Jags, the Jags to be at the bottom of it. Um, so that's Way to that's go out on a limb there, Jared. Yeah, <laughs> I expect the Colts to win their division. I expect the Jags to be at the bottom of the division, right? I expect the Colts to be in the playoffs, uh, picking in the bottom five of the first round. I expect the Jags to be the opposite, picking the first five picks, because that's kind of what the Jags do, uh, is they get they get those draft picks and they do real good, and then they don't re-sign those players in, in like three or four years. Um, so what else do we want to talk about today? I think that's... That pretty much covers it. I'm excited for football to be back tonight. If anybody wants to get our opinions during the game or when we're not podcasting, follow us on the Twitter machine. Uh, Jared at Likely Alien, myself at Nice Read Steve. Give us ratings and reviews of five stars uh, wherever five you listen to the podcast. Yeah. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars. Um, um, but yeah, and, and that's just, yeah, just go ahead and and, and do that. And then we will... Yeah, other than that, I don't I don't have anything else for anybody. I'm excited for football. Yeah, football's it's back. Here. Um I, I mean it's hard it's hard to be excited with everything going on, but the, my excitement level is based on hey, the opening night game I expect to be competitive, um, which bodes well for the NFL on the whole. Um and of course we look forward to the Colts uh getting their season started off right uh on Sunday. Um make sure you follow the podcast at Pod Pancake. Um, follow Stampede Blue at Stampede Blue. We are a part of SB Nation. Um, yeah, we appreciate uh, anybody uh, liking and retweeting the, the content that we put out, our podcast. If you like that, you share it with other people. More people listen to us. That's good for us, obviously. And we appreciate any feedback that you have, any comments. Please, I'll post this in an article on Stampede Blue's website. Any comments, concerns, questions uh, for future episodes, I'd love to love to uh, address those with you. Um, have a great rest of your week. Enjoy the game tonight, and we'll see you all on Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. Woo-hoo.